way to cash our chips in in heaven, but you know, having that idea, you ever have I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, stop, just leave me alone, I'm all set, I'm all good. No, it's it's more of a, I've got to make it my goal to please him now while I'm still in the body, and then forever. You know, and sometimes you get you get distracted when you when you make when you try to make decisions like that. You get distracted by what your goals ought to be. Now, did any of you fly over the holidays? A couple, right? Flew. I, I, for work, I fly a lot, so it's hard to even remember when I fly. <laughs> but you know, can you imagine? I get on the plane with my. I, I used to have a rollboard suitcase, right? Because I, I don't like losing my bags. You know, it makes life a little rough sometimes. I'm not going skiing, so I don't have a lot of stuff to bring along. <laughs> but can you imagine if I got on the plane and I got my seat, and you know, somewhere wherever it is, you know, aisle 15 or 16 or 25, whatever I end up with. And I opened, before I sat down and buckled up, I just opened up my suitcase and I started putting my stuff away in the overhead. You know, my pile of pants up there, you know, my sweaters here, my little socks right there, maybe a couple of you know, tennis shoes. All, all set up right, you know, I pull out a poster right and I hang it up right. And I get all set up in the plane because I'm moving in, right? Crazy, right? No, nobody moves into an airplane. But you think about it, that's somehow sometimes we get distracted when we start thinking that this body is our permanent home. We're going to move in, we're going to be set up. And when it's time to stay here, I think we'll see as we dig in here a little more. And that's what happens when we forget that we're temporary residents on earth, that we have a place we're going, and really we're being transformed, being changed by that. You know, this whole idea of living by, by faith and not by sight. Now we know from Hebrews that faith is being sure what you hope for, certain of what you don't see. How, how then can we live by that? Faith is the opposite of sight. It's things that we don't see yet, you know, the things that are ahead of us, the things that we were made for that give us that purpose. And, you know, if you look ahead at verse 5 there in 2 Corinthians, it says, Now it's God who made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. You know, the whole idea that God. Oh, look. That's the wrong title, son. Oh, it is? So it's. I'll take a quick look. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, amen. <laughs> I feel better. You know, so what was I saying? So, you know, the, the spirit, the whole idea was that it was our, it was the plan all along that we would have these temporary quarters, that we would sort of feel like misfits, that we would have to really be thinking about things that we can't even see yet. That we have. Can you imagine trying to make goals without really having any visualization of what you're supposed to do necessarily at work? You know, you really want to say, you know, I want to make this goal, I'm going to do this, and we get there eight, I'm going to do five, I'm going to do this work, 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 work. And yet, really, we're being called to make it our goal just to please God. That's a dynamic goal. That changed. It, it's, for me, it's changed, I think. I mean, it's probably been the same, but at least my understanding that it's changed over my time as a Christian. You know, and, and this year, just as an example, you know, I, I, I made a few goals. Like, I started early. I'm working on one for next year called, that I want to read the Bible all the way through. It just struck me that, you know, 2 Timothy 3 says that all, all Scripture is God-created and useful, right, for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training, righteousness. But the whole idea there is that all Scripture is. And so I've done this in the past. When I started in October using a reading plan, I jumped in mid-year, so I... I, mean, I jumped in the middle of the Old Testament, late in the New Testament, and so on. 
<clears throat> so right now I'm finishing Revelation, but I'm going to start it over again, you know, at the first year. And I think, it's, to me, that's an example of it. it's an exciting way uh, to reconnect the scriptures. You know, I've memorized a lot of scriptures over the years. You know, I've heard a lot of them. I've studied a lot of them. You know, in, in 35 years as a disciple, but it, what it allows is it allows God to have another way of speaking into my life by taking the scripture that is on my heart and my head. And as I, I went, oh wow, I never, I never saw that before. I never, or maybe I did. I just, you know, I'm old enough that I've forgotten it already. But you know, the whole idea there is that, and it happened to me last night. I woke up this morning early or middle of the night, I don't know when it was, but with a, with a scripture sort of sitting on my heart that I thought fit into this message, you know, and what uh, struck me, I was thinking was, this is as good and pleases God who wants all men to be saved. It seems a tie right? You know, it's about we make it our goal to please Him. And here it is, this is good and pleases God who wants all men to be saved. And so I started thinking about, you know, my circle of, of friends and family, you know, Things I was sharing about earlier about the family, you know, it's like a picture here. <laughs> All kinds of technical things. Yeah, it's okay. Sean? Is it on? Red, is it red on or green on? Green Oh, there we go. Hey! Like you, just need to agree with you. <laughs> you know, so I thought about, you know, so I have my my circle of friends. You know, this is this is our family group. Most many of it, many of us, some of us were sick that night, but uh, there are the Nerf guns and the, and the villains with them. <laughs> you know, and even as I mentioned, you know, kind of my family of friends, right? And uh, these are either these are the folks that I've known the longest in my life, amongst all of you, as my as Jeanette and my kids. And I thought, well, you know, even it was pretty cool that I took a picture this morning of all the just the Christmas cards that I sort of stashed up there. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, another 10 years there won't be Christmas cards anymore, but I'm enjoying it in the meantime. I'm always still a postal service. But, you know, as I started to think about it, you know, the um, it's always good to sort of look at the context of a verse. It's like I looked at the verse that I had remembered in a bigger context. And it says, I'll read it, it says, I urge you, urge them, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And what I remember, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. The testimony given in its proper time, and for this purpose, I was appointed herald and apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. I'm a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. You know, my circle of friends, you know, all of you included in it, um, I don't really regularly pray for, doesn't, my circle of friends doesn't include the kings of this world necessarily, right? And I, I thought, well, who are those kings of this world? <clears throat> well, you know, let's just take, I don't know, the United Nations. Let's just pick the permanent members of the Security Council. <clears throat> so that would be our president, Donald Trump, who's one of those kings. You know, Vladimir Putin, another king of this earth, right? <clears throat> uh, Theresa May, you know, temporarily maybe in Britain, but uh, 
about Emmanuel Macron out of France, Xi Jinping of China, you know, and you know you can even extend it beyond that you know, to other powerful leaders on this planet, like you know the, the king of North Korea, or the king of Iran, other places. But those are people that are necessarily thinking about, praying about, um, really putting this scripture into practice. Right? It says that I should pray for all of those in authority. You know that there's one God and one mediator between God and all men. Well, those are distant enemies, perhaps, or kings. How about more relevant, you know, enemies? You know, do you, do you have enemies? People that you wouldn't invite over for Christmas. You know, that you wouldn't really like to talk to. That you, uh, you uh, might avoid at work or at a family get-together or either because they did something wrong to you or you did something wrong to them. You know, think about your, your bigger circle of friends. You know, what pleases God is that God wants all men to be saved. God wants the people that you despise, hate, you know, want nothing to do with. He wants those people to come to a knowledge of the truth. So I ask myself, do, do I really want to please God? Do I want to make it my goal to please Him? Well, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to make requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving for everyone. Specifically, not forgetting kings and those in authority. Because he really wants them. That's his goals. He wants them to be saved. You know, isn't it easier sometimes just to be against something? Remember that whole negative thing? It's easy to make a goal. I'm just not going to do this. Rather, well, I'm going to do this good thing. You know, it's easy, I think, sometimes to, to protest to derive, to make fun of people it is to pray for them. You know, it reminded me of a, of a poem that I memorized as a kid, a little kid. Uh, I think I still have a poetry book somewhere around the house, but he drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. The love that I had the wit to win, we drew a circle and took him in. Well, that's Jesus. He decided that he would take all of us in, all of us who were the despised. The reason he had to go to the cross was for all of our sins. And he chose being the one person who was flawless, sinless, without any guile in him to be willing to be sacrificed for us. And look back over in 2 Corinthians 5. Let's go, Peter. You know, it says here, he expand, you know, uh, his thought there. He says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade them. But we are plain, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. You know, we know that from 2 Timothy that God wants all men to be saved. You know, and God and Paul here is saying he's trying to persuade men. Well, what's he trying to persuade them about? The best diet plan? The best way to work out? You know, is he trying to persuade them about the best football team? See, that one's easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> is he trying to persuade them about a political point of view? I don't think so. I think he's trying to persuade people that Jesus is the only way to be reconciled to God. Yeah. And that was really what was important to him. He was striving to persuade people to see that God is the answer. You know, does does it? Uh, you know that he wants people to be saved. That he wants them to have a relationship with him. That he wants them to repent of their sins. That he wants them to be 
be baptized, they can be right with Him, and that He wants them to walk in the light. You know, that, does it take faith to believe that your enemies can become Christians? Real Christians? I mean, sometimes it takes faith to believe that your family can become Christians, right? And you, you know them pretty well. You're pretty well persuaded that you like them, that there's hope for them. And even then, it can take faith. You know, but certainly it takes faith to believe that all nations can be saved. That everyone on the streets of Burlington, Vermont, God has a plan, a desire. He wants them to be right with Him. You know, through our own sight? Absolutely not. You know, it's uh, we need faith because based on sight, it really is faithlessness to us. You know, we need new eyes to make it to our goal, to our destination, to seek out this purpose to please Him. So that's my second point, is fixing our eyes. Alright, so just starting off here in 2 Corinthians 4 again, go back to 2 Corinthians. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Anybody here have any troubles? You know, he said these are light momentary troubles. Well, if you've got any thinking about what Paul did in his life, you know, he talked about being in prison. He was in prison, right? Not rightfully. He was persecuted. He was beaten. He was hungry. He was shipwrecked. He had struggles with false brothers. He counted all those as light and momentary. Wow. You know, my, my trouble list gets awful short when I start to compare it to that. You know, my, my problems are big and long and big duration. And he says he knew that they were helping him to achieve an eternal glory. You know, he, he was confident, we'd seen that earlier, that he'd been called to lay down his life for God. You know, and yet here he's saying, you know, we need to focus on what's unseen. Because what's seen is temporary. But what's unseen is eternal. You know, it's easy... As I mentioned earlier, it's really easy to focus on what things you see, things that are right in the way. You know, and we're grateful for having answers to prayers to things you see, right? And we're grateful, Scott is grateful to have a new job, a new daytime job, right? So that's exciting. That is an exciting answer to prayers. But, bro, it's only temporary. You know, there's, there's a you know, much longer period ahead of you. Not on this earth that uh, we're really working for and striving for, right? You know, it's easy to focus on the visible and just miss the unseen. You know, if you really think about your troubles, your problems, the times that God hasn't answered your prayers, that those are achieving for you a glory. I don't know. That's a hard one for me sometimes to connect with, right? These things that I, I pray to not to happen and they don't happen, and yet somehow God is using those struggles and hardships to change me to uh, glorify Himself. Uh, you know, yeah, I believe it, but it's hard. You know, it's not easy to accept that, right? Yeah. You know, He says in Hebrews uh, chapter twelve, He says, "Let our, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the Author and Perfecter of our faith." who for the joy set before him endured the cross, 
scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I like in some version it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, he's the first one. He went ahead of us. He, he sort of laid out the path. He set us a perfect example. He was sinless. And yet because of our sins, he endured the cross. You know, he was shamed for all of my failures. You know, he, he went through that, scored that shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, if you suffered unjustly, Jesus suffered more. You know, fix your eyes on Jesus, on his promises, on his sacrifice. He made it, and you will too. You know, I like the verse up there also in Ephesians 2. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You know, you already have your seat at the table. You already have your place in the heavenly realms. You know, you don't have to be worried about whether or not your sins are going to be forgiven. You know, this is not a, oh my goodness, I just got to lose those last 5, 10, 50 pounds. I just got to go to the gym more. I just got to push more. This is one. You already have a seat. You already have a seat at the table. You know, Jesus is coming back, not to forgive your sins if you're right with Him, but to take you home, to save you for those that are waiting for His return. You know, it's exciting to think about that as you as you think about this this year, today, you know, we make it our goal to please Him. We make it our goal to be right with God. We make it our goal just to do things that will make Him happy. That's easy, you know. You know, the world sometimes says, what would Jesus do? Just make it simple. What would please Him? Yeah. You know, i got a choice here. I may not be able to do exactly what He would do, but I'm going to do my best to try and do what pleases God. I'm going to fix my eyes on Him. I'm going to focus on Him. I'm not going to worry about the things that are all around me, the visible. I'm going to focus on the eternal. And lastly, take a look over it. Yeah, I think the battery is just perfect. Yeah, so... For Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus sacrificed for us. His sacrifice is so immense. It's so amazing, it's really impossible to fully understand. You know, His love for us ought to compel us because we're convinced that He, he not only did He take our way of sins, but He died so that we could have an eternal life with Him. And He, you know, really, Paul was saying here that because of this, we should no longer live for themselves, but for Him. That, that's a high calling. You know, this is not just pleasing Him. This is not just, well, honey, I brought you home some flowers. But this is the side that he died for me, therefore I'm no longer going to live for myself. But I'm going to live completely and totally, you know, for Jesus. You know, that love compels us. It really struck me, he says, that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for them. Remember, go back, move back to those that bigger circle, the kings and authorities of this world, all of my enemies, my family, my friends too. Jesus died for everybody. And my goal then is to 
no longer live for myself, but do like he did and die to myself and, and live for them. <clears throat> live to have an impact on their lives. So this is my list. And I underline the ones that I thought <clears throat> that God took care of. Not, I mean, happiness, yes. Peace, for sure. Joy, <clears throat> fulfillment, confidence, passion. I don't know so much that he's guaranteed as money <clears throat> or freedom or stability. <clears throat> so uh, I think in, in, in a certain sense, you can think about those. You know, they're all answered. All the things that you would want to make a goal for are all answered. <clears throat> Like I said, mostly with yes, a few with a maybe, and some perhaps with a, with a no. You know, what will your New Year's resolution be? What will you think about in this new year to sort of kick things off? You know, it gets good goals to try and get in better shape. It's a good goal to be more spiritual and read your Bible. But you know, I would really challenge us that uh, we think much bigger than that. That we make it our goal to please Him. Fixing our eyes on Jesus and no longer living for ourselves. 